The following audio is from The Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Good morning, everybody. I hope you're doing good. Based on your response to the alpaca on the screen, I think we'll give away a couple of those next week. Um, so I just heard this collective, aww. So anyways, but uh, hey, I had a great time at the Kids Carnival this last week. I want to say thank you, as you saw in the video, to all of those who made it happen from days before doing setup to the day of and the teardown and all that stuff. We appreciate it a ton. Um, if you're looking for a spot in scripture, we're going to land. It'll be Matthew chapter six. If you've got a Bible with you, I encourage you to turn there. If you own a Bible, I mention this all the time. I encourage you to bring it, um, be a reader of scripture, uh, just get familiar with the pages of it. But in the New Testament, Matthew is the very first book in the New Testament. And so you can turn there um, and we'll get there here in a moment. Last Wednesday, I was walking through our church's facilities, and it was pretty awesome because we have Connect 2-3 uh, in our Grove Kids Ministry. We have Connect 4-5, that's grades 2-3 and grades 4-5, a um, couple of environments to disciple uh, our kiddos. And then on top of that, at the same time, I, went, I was down in the kids' wing, and there was a bunch of different classrooms for Grove tutoring. And we have tutoring from four to six every single Wednesday just to help kids in our own community, um, walking through, getting better grades, just feeling cared for. And so we do that. That happens every Wednesday. If you know a student that could use some tutoring, I encourage you to get them here four to six every Wednesday. It's a great environment. But it was cool to see the volunteers there and the different rooms based on different subjects. I just felt really proud that we were doing that. Um, and again, just an opportunity for the community. And then I was talking with some others this week about the neighborhood, which is a community dinner that we put on over at the Marysville Historical Society. There are people that would never darken the doors of a, of a gathering like this on a Sunday, but uh, they would uh, grab a meal and build some community there. And so I was talking with some people that are part of it. And it's really cool to hear the stories of community being built, of individuals coming back and, and stuff. And so I love that. And by the way, if you're part of volunteering for that as well, I want to say thank you um, because it is a big deal and it does take a lot of people to do what we do. But it's really neat to hear some of these stories. And at the end of the day, for me, it's just a great team of servants. I mean, isn't that what we're called to be as servants? I, I want you to make, I want to make sure you hear that because that's what we are called to be. In fact, we talk about Grove Kids Carnival and it takes a couple of hundred servants to make that whole thing happen. So there we all are serving in different capacities just to put on a giant party for our community. Um, I follow a guy named John Acuff on Instagram and he put out a post this last week that said this, I once heard someone say, the reason this country is so unhappy is because it's hard to keep 330 million kings happy. It's easy to keep 300 million servants happy. It really challenged me about how much better life is when I put others first instead of demanding to be the king of my own world. And to me, again, it's poignant to consider life through that lens because it has everything to do with perspective, how you and I view our lives. Are we the type that are entitled and here's what we should get and here's how things should go. And if it doesn't go that way, then I'm dissatisfied, then I'm frustrated, then I'm annoyed, then I'm angry, then I'm bitter, then I operate differently in my interactions with other people as opposed to looking through the lens of being a servant. Do you look at life through the lens of being a king or the lens of being a servant? 
And again, yes, it's a matter of perspective. And if you've been sort of in Christ for any length of time and you've been a reader of scripture, which I always encourage you to be. In fact, I think a daily habit of reading scripture is one of the best things that you can do as you continue to look to grow in your journey with Christ. But as as students of of scripture and as people who wanna learn about Jesus, what we see in his example, in fact, it was said of him, he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He is our example. We would call ourselves not just Christians, but Christ followers, followers of Jesus. And he really is that example. And he set the stage for how we're called to live. This perspective is something Jesus taught to you and to me. It affects everything from how gracious and forgiving we are to how willing we are to do whatever it takes to move the kingdom of Christ forward, offering our own talents or our own time, our own resources, everything. And with that in mind, I wanna take a look at Matthew chapter six, starting at verse 19 today. It says this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and, and rust or vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If the eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light then within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. God, I pray today you would open our hearts. And I know in church world, it's so easy, I think, to manipulate some of these things or to, to take um, what Jesus is saying and, and we, we force people's hands or, or we money, money, money. And I pray in the midst of what can become so jaded that we would really open our hearts to what you would say, because there are some basic principles that, that we can't skirt based on what we're entrusted with in our lives. So I pray whether we're watching online, whether we're in person here today, right now, that your spirit would work in us and we'd open ourselves to what you have to say in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So here we are, and this is part of what we sort of call the sermon on the Mount. It's, it's in Matthew five, six, and seven, and it's Jesus teaching on all kinds of topics. But what's important to remember is the context of, of Jesus teaching is that the religious leadership in Jesus' day really became a, 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 a power group that not only did they have power to tell you sort of what God said, and then they would tie these burdens on your backs as far as how you're supposed to live, and it felt impossible, but they were also manipulated by the fact that people brought all this money and they were able to get rich off of this whole situation. And so when Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount and you get to the end of it, it says the crowd was amazed because he taught as one having authority and not like their teachers of the law. That was an indictment, but the context was when the religious leaders would teach, what it felt like was they were saying, here's all the things you need to do to live up to God's standard. And then he might actually be happy with you And they would walk away feeling totally disillusioned and totally discouraged as opposed to Jesus coming on the scene and he does this sermon on the Mount kind of thing. And they walk away going, wow, I can understand something. And there's actually hope for me to connect with God. And so this is Jesus teaching in a way that the the normal person could understand. It's important to remember that because again, they were being manipulated over and over by bad teaching. In this context, Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth 
where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. And then he goes and does the opposite. Um, he says, you know, but, but do store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. And what we're getting to at the core is this, Jesus is warning, if you and I are only using the resources God has entrusted to us for, for the indulgence of what we want, for the next bigger thing, for the next better thing, for the next newer thing, and, and we kind of get towards the end of our lives and, and, and we, we die with a, a garage full of toys and all of the stuff that we've accumulated and we go, I won. Jesus is in essence saying, you didn't win, you lost. Because at the core Listen to me, at the core of what he's saying is that if all we do is use our resources for ourselves, we're missing out on eternal opportunities. And it's important to remember that. And I get, listen, if you're new today, you're just visiting, you've only been here a little bit, you're like, oh boy, here we go, the money thing. And I get that, I really do. The truth is I haven't taken the time in a message like this for about two and a half years to really dive into it. And I would be doing you a disservice to skirt this topic because it's uncomfortable because it can be manipulated in a hundred different ways and it gets manipulated in a hundred different ways. Nevertheless, just like I would disciple you and tell you, hey, be a reader and study your scripture. Be somebody who learns to walk out forgiveness the way God has forgiven you in Christ. Just like I would say, hey, let's walk through prayer or in our series coming up starting next week on Thanksgiving, what it means for you and I to have thankful hearts. I can't skirt a financial conversation just because it's easy to manipulate. And so here we are, and I believe if you and I wanna be the best disciples we can be, it means we need to take on each facet of our lives and not separate them out and go, let's not talk about that because it's uncomfortable. Cool? Okay, so can I have a green light? Awesome, thanks for that. Anyway, um, Jesus says, don't store up these things because it's not just about you and I getting everything we want. It's about understanding there's a different lens that we need to invest in ways that make an eternal difference. And that's a big deal. In fact, Paul would tell Timothy, his young protege in the faith later on, as we look at scripture, we call it first Timothy, but it's really Paul writing to the next generation of church leadership in Timothy, and one of the things he says in 1 Timothy 6 is this, for those that have resources, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to, to share. In this way, and so this goes right along with what Jesus had said, in this way, you will lay up treasure for yourself as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Paul right there, by the way, at the very end of that is not just talking about, hey, you get to enjoy eternity in heaven because of what God has done in Christ and walking in generosity. He's actually saying when you and I live generously towards other things and sacrifice our own stuff in order to help and serve others, it, it opens up a world of life in us that brings a joy and a sense of not just living for me, myself and I, but living for others that brings a real life into our world. So Paul says that to Timothy about, about training up the next generation of church. But Jesus reminds us in Matthew chapter six of the very same thing. And then this principle, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want you to repeat after me. So for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's, it's obvious and we know this is true. That wherever our heart is at is where our treasure ends up. If you still have a balanced ledger in a checkbook that you open up, 
You can look at that and go, that's where my heart is. Or you can log in online to your bank and look at your statement and go, where do my resources go? And that Jesus is saying, that's where your heart's at. And so you got a mortgage, you got responsibilities, you got bills, absolutely true. But if you look at that and there's a whole lot of Target on there, not looking at anybody in particular, whole lot of Amazon boxes all over your porch all the time, okay? But there's something about looking at where do my resources go that reveals where my heart is at. And it's important to remember that. So Jesus says, store up things that are eternal because it's revealing where your heart is at. And we need to make sure our hearts are set on what God desires of us. And then he goes on to say this, the eye is the lamp of the body. If the eyes are healthy, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, time out. The first couple of verses, Jesus was talking about laying up treasure in eternity. And then he goes on to talk about the idea of our eyes. And we think sometimes that he changed subjects, but he didn't. If you have the type of Bible that added subtitles to certain sections, this would all be in one section together. Matthew 6, 19 through 24. He's not changing subjects. He says, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body is full of darkness. But let me help you understand what Jesus is saying change out the word healthy right there with the word generous and change out the word unhealthy with the word stingy. And let me say it this way. If your eyes are generous, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are stingy, your whole body will be full of darkness. What is Jesus saying if this is connected to the verses before it? What he's saying is, if you're looking through the lens of life at this world as a way of like, how do I be generous to others so they can see the light of Jesus through me, then you're full of light. But if you're looking at this world through the lens of, I'm gonna get mine and it's about me and I've got my nest egg and I'm gonna do what I want with it. And it's all about the bigger and the better and the newer and the best. Then, then your eyes are full of darkness. And he says, to juxtapose them together, he says, if that light that is supposed to be dark, if that, if that generosity is actually stingy, he's basically saying in that last part of this verse, that's extra bad. And so the whole thing connects together. You and I ought to be looking for ways to be generous. What's his whole point? You and I need to have bright eyes as we navigate this world every day. How do we be generous towards others that need the gospel of Christ? Because I wanna help them see what it means to grab a hold of life that is truly life. It reminds me of a song that you might've already thought of when I said bright eyes. Turn around, bright eyes. Every now and then I fall apart and I need you more tonight and I need you more than ever and only be making it right. Once upon a time I was falling in love and now I'm only falling apart. There's nothing I can do. Totally close it all. <laughs> Anybody, okay, if you were born after 1990, you have no idea what I'm just talking about, okay? And I get that. But the whole idea, like, like it's, it's, I know it's ridiculous and I know you're like, I'm never coming back here again. I get it, okay? But 
the thing is, there's like, when I think about that song, it's like, why don't you and I operate every day with this sense of bright eyes? How do I be a blessing? Because if you read what Jesus is saying and, and you think about this idea of like, well, if, if you don't have healthy eyes, it means you're scowling. It means you're looking at the you know, light through lens of like glass half empty. Everything's always wrong. If it can go wrong, it will. Murphy's law, all that stuff. And in one sense, there's some truth to it. How you and I even look as we walk out our lives every day, it does matter. Our countenance does matter. You ever met somebody, the glass is always half empty? Or you're like, no, no, it's all the way empty, right? <laughs> and, and, and again, it's a little bit of an aside from his point, but it's that idea of like, look, I, I'm not trying to minimize, like life can be rough and we don't feel like being full of joy. At the same time, we're challenged through the lens of our faith to have the kind of countenance that says, how can I be a blessing to other people? How can I live generously towards other people? And yes, here Jesus would say, absolutely. He's talking about our resources, but I would say in the same way, how do I be generous in the grace I offer to you? How do I be generous in the, in the, in the, in the forgiveness I offer to my neighbor who offended me? How do I walk in generosity with my time? And like I said, we're called to be an army of servants. And so absolutely, when I look at Carnival and a couple hundred volunteers all week and the day of and cleaning up and all that stuff, general, I man, I'm generous, love that. That the neighborhood, in fact, we, we've kind of joked about and some of you guys that have shown up like, there's kind of too many volunteers. You know, it's like a good problem, right? But over and over, when I look at what goes on, there's something about the lens of how do I be generous? And absolutely with forgiveness, absolutely with grace, absolutely with our faith. Generous in prayer, generous in my time, generous in whatever it might be. But Jesus is reminding us the idea, how do I be generous with the resources God has given me? And then the next verses, because again, it's all the same conversation. This isn't separated. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will love the one, sorry, hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and and money. Jesus' point, we, we, we know the point, having walked through this already, but if we look to serve our own needs and care too much about fulfilling our own lens, then we begin to serve the wrong master. And so it, it's the filter of, I don't know how you do your resources or when you get a paycheck or how it works for you, but what would it look like for you to pray? God, let me do what I'm supposed to do with this. A few weeks ago, we, we did what we call Dedication Sunday. And I love having families come up and they got their little babies and the little kiddos and we dedicate children. And, and one of the things I always say to parents is this, your kids are not yours. And I realize because I have four kids, those are my kids. But, but theologically speaking, my kids are not mine. My kids are gifted to me as a steward for whatever window of time I have them. And so like, like I, I've said before, like we, we, you know, our, our daughter heads down to California we drop her off and drive home. And there she is down in Costa Mesa. And she used to call, she used to text, she missed me and she stopped calling. <laughs> she did, she stopped calling. She, you don't call, you don't write. There's no bat signal. Like I get nothing. <laughs> I pay for your phone. You can't even text me. <laughs> now I'll be honest. She's enjoying her time down there. And she randomly sent me pictures of her studying at the beach, which made me mad. And, and, and then she had the audacity to decide to like a boy. 
And if you're watching this right now online, honey, I love you. <laughs> Every now and then I fall apart. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but so for, for me, again, it really is the same idea that I'm a steward of, of my children for as long as I, I have them as a parent and they move out and spread their wings. And yes, we still parent our kids as they move. I get it, but it looks different. I, my, my goal is to release them, to let them go and, and spread their wings. In the same way, with our time, we're stewards. With the gifts you've been given, you're a steward. With the resources you have, you're a steward. None of it is yours. You're simply entrusted with these things. And it's worthwhile for you to consider, how am I being generous with whatever it is that God has entrusted to me? And that's part of understanding through a discipleship lens, who am I becoming? And they're important conversations because at the end of the day, Jesus is literally saying, we need to be very careful because it's easy to serve our own agenda, our own list of things. And again, there's nothing wrong with, I got some things I would love to have someday. By the way, just to be clear, even Paul says to Timothy in that same text right before it, says to Timothy, hey, if you've got means, good, enjoy it. But don't forget, you need to be generous. So he's not saying we don't enjoy the things we have. He's saying, don't, don't think for a second that it's 100% about, you know, you having what you have to get what you want out of it. Enjoy some stuff, great. But what does it look like for you to be generous? At the end of the day, the basic principle of a message like this is this, a heart touched by God wants to be generous. Do you remember when Jesus encountered a tax collector? He said, I'm gonna come over. Do you remember this, this happened? The tax collector says, oh, really? He has this encounter with Jesus. And all of a sudden he's like, hey, by the way, if I've cheated people, which he had, by the way, big time. If I've cheated people, I'm gonna pay him back a bunch more. If, if, I've, if I've done dishonest things, I'm gonna deal with that because I wanna be generous. In essence, he has an encounter with Christ and he's going, what does it mean for me to be generous? When you look at the lives of Paul, the disciples, back in the first century, they encountered Christ and they began to go, what do I do to lay down what I want, what I thought, what I would do to be generous towards what it means to advance the kingdom? And as a church, that's really how we're called to live. And this is not you, you, you. This is all of us. It's the same prayer that I'm asking you to pray. I'm praying, what does it look like in my context to be generous? Because it does matter for all of us because it is part of the filter for discipleship. Like I said, it's true with forgiveness, with grace, with time, with talents, with resources, all of it. And as a church, some of our language that you hear often is this, it takes all of us for we to win. Anybody ever heard of the 80-20 principle? The 80-20 principle is a problem everywhere. But the idea goes like this. 80% of what needs to get done often gets done by about 20% of the people. 20% is covered by 80%. And in the same way, when it comes to, to what we do together in church world, I'm gonna be honest with you. And this is a little bit of a hard deal and it creates a little tension in all of us, but uh, there, there's about 20 3% of people in our church that carry the load for the rest of what happens here. And I say that because as a church, we cast vision all the time and talk about what we can do to make a difference. And there are times where we're going, well, we would love to take this step. We would love to do that, but we got to wait because right now the resources aren't where they need to be. And yet in our language, we say it takes all of us for we to win. It does. You hear in our code, we give up things we love for things we love even more. The church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. What does it look like for you and I to think through that lens? 
How do I be generous to help people see the kingdom of Christ? Part of our code. We will lead the way with irrational generosity. We believe it's more blessed to give than to receive, which by the way, if you have a red letter edition of the Bible, you would find that phrase at the end there in red letters in Acts 20, verse 35. One of the leaders of the early church was quoting Jesus when he said, we believe it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so when you think about this whole idea of of a heart touched by God wanting to be generous, it's the question that we have to ask ourselves, what does it look like for me to be generous. And it's, it's different for each individual because we're each in our own situations. The, the, the Bible talks about the different spiritual gifts. One of those gifts is, is giving in a way that they're talking about like, like substantial, super big generosity because some people, some people have the means to do that. And that's biblical, that's great. But generosity applies to everybody. It may look different by number, whatever zeros are attached to whatever the conversation might be, But nevertheless, we are all called to be generous. Part of the question, and this goes back to what Jesus said about our countenance. How bright is your countenance each day? And that can be such a cheesy, weird way to put it, right? But the truth is when when you get to Monday, when you get to Tuesday and Wednesday, all throughout your week, what is the lens you look through? And my hope would be we could have this countenance of how do I be a blessing to others? How do I walk in generosity towards others? Because that's how we're called to walk. How are you helping advance Christ's kingdom through financial generosity? And like I said, this goes right along with all the other conversations we have next week as we we walk through some Thanksgiving stuff, some challenge about being grateful. Again, talk about entitlement and gratitude, man. They just don't go together. I'm going to talk about this in the next couple of weeks. In the same way we talk about forgiveness, talk about salvation and the work of Christ on the cross and how much all of these things matter. Resources are part of that conversation when it comes to all around discipleship. I want to celebrate a couple of things because I am very proud as as a church of what we get to do and, and you know, I mentioned the neighborhood and, and trying to reach people we could never reach if we just kept doing what we're doing here, which is great. Um, the discipleship or the, the tutoring that we do, it takes some resources and some volunteers to make that happen, but I love that it's happening. We, we as a board this last week, we met and, and, and took on four new missions endeavors just this week. And we've never been on four at, at one time. Usually comes in one at a time. And, and Aaron brought in, in our meeting a bunch of opportunities for the board to vote on. And we decided, you know what? Let's by faith take on all four. So we took on a brand new missionary we're gonna support in Morocco. Took on a brand new missionary we're gonna support in Belgium. Uh, took on a church plant from somebody that some of us know really well named Beth Backus. And she's gonna plant a, a campus in Auburn. Uh, so helping her plant a church. And then the fourth one is um, helping a camp up in Canada with First Nations people where there's been some atrocities that have happened. We're trying to rebuild a bridge and help them see the love of God in Christ through serving. And so decided to take on all four. Going, man, we believe God will, will you know, take care of the resources it's gonna take to do these things. And we support missionaries every month all over the world. We always do. We always have. But I love how just this last week, the board said, well, let, let's, let's trust we can do this and we'll take them all on. I love that we've got the neighborhood, which technically is its own kind of church campus. But I sat down a little while back with, with a gal named Colleen Martin. And some of you guys know Randy and Colleen. They're dear people. They've been part of our church for decades, but they spent a couple of decades in Indonesia as missionaries. 
And they've come back here and been stateside for a while. And she sat down a little while back and said, I just have this heart for international peoples and I wanna plant a a church. Um, Would you help with that at the Grove? And honestly, I'm just gonna tell you, and this has not happened in, in the 13 years I've been here, the way it happened when I was sitting down with her, it was like the Holy Spirit just going, say yes, just say yes. And I'm like, there's a board and I got to go through the, you know, and, I, and it's true. But I said, whatever we can do, I believe that, that God would have us do this. And we met as a board and talked about it. And so next September, the goal is to plant a brand new international church campus right in this community because she has a heart to do that. And we're going, what does it mean to make a difference? And yes, it's going to take resources, but okay, Lord, how do we do it? Well, it takes all of us for we to win. A month ago, there's a church family uh, that, that I love dearly. I got to do a wedding for them a few years back and it was a three-day affair. It was an uh, Indian wedding. And I mean, like East India. India. Um, and uh, man, it was a three-day kind of party wedding thing. It was so fun. But, but we have this whole family that's part of our church that I always greet and say hi to and they come to our gatherings. And I found out last month that they've tried to pool as much money as they could as a family to build a, a brand new church facility in India. Literally, they're putting together their money. They've been working their tails off for years and their grandparents did it years ago and they felt like it was their turn. And I said, that's amazing. And literally the the patriarch of the family who I sat down uh, with and was talking to, uh, not sat down with, I'm sorry. uh, We were talking one-on-one in the lobby. Uh, I was talking to to him and he's there now. He left, I think this week to go start working on the facility. But I mentioned to the board, I said, hey, they're pooling their money, but they actually don't have quite enough to make it happen. Um, what can we do? Can we maybe take you know, 5,000 bucks? And the board's like, let's do it. Why do I say all that? Not to brag about, wow, great. But I'm saying like, we're all about how do we advance the church of Christ all over the world? And yeah, locally, absolutely. That's why we would do a carnival. Some people are like, why do you put on this giant party that's just a bunch of giving candy out and playing these silly games? Because we want people to be attracted to who Christ is because we believe that Jesus knows how to have fun and we don't have to always look like we're dipped in pickle juice. (laughs) Right? So anyway... But like well, we put on a party because we, we believe it's, it's, it's a great little front door for people to kind of check things out. Why do we believe wholeheartedly in having an online campus? Right now, there's a bunch of people watching at home. Yeah, we wanna challenge them to take a step and be part of the building. And the last baptism we did on, on a couple Sundays back was somebody who watched online. Ryan and Heather said, hey, if you're at home and you need to get baptized, come to the 11 o'clock and get baptized. The last baptism was somebody who literally got off their couch and came and said, I need to get baptized. But it's that whole thing of like, we, we are always going to be looking for ways to accomplish the great commission. Go make disciples. And yes, it's we gather and we're challenged, but we're also going, how do we build the bridges out into our community and all over our world to make a difference? Because that's what we're called to do. We're stewards. I have to look through the lens of being a steward of the great commission in this generation. And so that's what we're doing. But the question comes back to you and me on a personal level. What does it look like for you to be generous? For me to be generous? And I wanna challenge you as we end today to simply open your heart to that prayer. God, what does it look like for me to be generous? Because the truth is, yes, there's plenty of vision. There's gonna be no ends to what what we could do. But what would God put in each of our hearts in order that we can take a step, in order that we're all vested in this. And it opens our hearts in generosity that we're not just living for ourselves. We're making an eternal difference because that's part of what we're called to do with our resources. So I'm not here to manipulate you. I'm not here to spin it and tell you, you do this and you're gonna see all these millions of dollars come back or whatever, because we don't give to get. We give to advance the kingdom. However God wants to take care of the get, that's his deal. 
the same time, what does it look like for you and I to be generous? And that's a challenge I want to bring to each of us that we talk about, hey, you can grab the envelope on your way in and out each day. You can go to grove.church and click on that give link and, and set up giving and some recurring giving simple to do. I say all that because there's simple, easy steps. The Grove app, there's a give link, it's easy. But at the end of the day, it's what does it look like for you and me to be generous, however God has entrusted resources to us. Amen. Father, that's my prayer for all of us. And again, I know, and I feel the tension of it. Sure, it feels, I don't wanna manipulate. I don't wanna spin things. I don't wanna make it about, hey, if you do this, then all this is gonna happen. But that God, we are called to, just like you said, Lord, store up treasure in heaven. Not because we wanna earn our way. That's not what it's about at all. We believe Jesus paid the price that we can get to heaven, period, done. But we also believe that as we're stewards of, of these different facets of our lives, Part of it has to do with our resources, our income. And I pray that we would each open our hearts to that prayer. Lord, what does it look like for me to be generous? And that we would simply respond to however you would say, whatever thing you would do in, in these moments as we pray about it, over the next couple of days that we're praying about it, that we're on this journey together, that it takes all of us for we to, and that we believe the work of God as we look at scripture, as we look at the, the, the New Testament church, as we look at the last couple thousand years of Christian history, the work of God has always been provided for by God's people. And so I pray for each of us to ask that question and respond accordingly. Thank you for your work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.